The Nonprofit Voice is a premier radio program featuring nonprofits on Long Island every Saturday morning. We have learned about, been inspired by, and celebrated hundreds of nonprofits in our community. The Nonprofit Voice is produced by Marketing Works, the only full service marketing and public relations firm that works almost exclusively with nonprofit agencies. We pride ourselves on our reputation in creating strategic marketing and public relations campaigns, successful virtual, hybrid, and live events, as well as powerful social media and digital campaigns. As the leaders in nonprofit marketing, no other agency understands the industry as we do, and we are committed to the success of each and every one of our clients. Marketing Works hopes you enjoy this week's featured nonprofit. Good morning. This is Ron Gold from Marketing Works. The name of the show is A Nonprofit Voice, and today our featured nonprofit is the Long Island Select Healthcare. And I have the honor of having the new CEO. Are you still new? I'm still new. I'm in here now 11 months. Well, we'll consider after a year, okay? After a year. We can be. <laughs> it's been 11 months already. Audrey, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here on the Nonprofit Voice, Ron. I'm glad to have you. And uh, you have a radio family because you said your husband's on the radio, right? Yes, my husband um, does a. Well, not quite a podcast, but a radio show on 9, 10 a.m. in Detroit, Michigan. You're still in Detroit. Well, he is still in Detroit. He's still in Detroit. Okay. I am happily on Long Island, but I do have a husband, and he's sort of winding things down to move out here. Oh, good. Yes. You just had to get a lay of the land, as we said before, on what Long Island's like and where to live, and now you'll bring your family with you. That's right. Right. I happen to be lucky that this was a good move at this time because my children are pretty all grown. And they live in D.C., one lives in Detroit, married, one is in Alabama. So it's just my husband and I. And so we can explore other parts of the U.S. and live and, and enjoy. Was, is that his career? He's been on the radio? He's been on No, radio. <laughs> his career is as a, an urban planner. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he does uh, low-income housing development with um, organizations, nonprofit organizations as well. Uh, that it's in deal. your blood, right? It's in our blood. You know what? Giving yeah. is in our blood. And volunteering and working with uh, nonprofits, it is in our blood, I'd say. Well, I'm just happy if you're a football fan because the Lions are finally winning. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, that nice? Everybody, oh, we watched the Lions win last week, although we're always a little bit on pins and needles toward that third and fourth quarter. But <laughs> they pulled it out. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Yes. It's about time. I go back with Sanders, I think his mm-hmm. name was. He was great. Uh-huh. Yes. It's a yes. long time. But anyway, okay. we're not here to talk about Detroit Hi. and football. <laughs> we're talking about how you came here and have rescued Lish, Long oh, Island yes. Select Healthcare, that there were a lot of parts. And give me the history of Lish. Oh, um, it is a wonderful history. Long Island Select Healthcare, and we call it LISH right. for short. Acronyms. Everybody acronyms. has acronyms. Everybody now. has an acronym, right? right. And so this organization uh, was formed back in 2016, and it had three legacy organizations, we call them. Uh, one is Developmental uh, Disability 
uh, Institute, DDI, DDI. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to use the whole terms. Uh, there is free, and that's family residences and enterprising. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Free. And then we also have UCP, which is United Cerebral Palsy of Suffolk County. Well, in uh, their brilliance, they each, while they provide an array of services for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, they also provided medical services. They found that it would probably best to have those services uh, provided in a vehicle that was sustainable. And three, the three leaders at that time uh, joined and created Long Island Select Healthcare and as a federally qualified health center. All right. Well, that that you're going to have to explain also. Okay, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, we as Lish uh, became an FQHC. Another term people hear often is a community health center. Right. Uh, Lish is a subrecipient. That just means we are. Uh, an FQHC through Sun River. So we enjoy a um, relationship as a subrecipient with Sun River. Now, of course, Sun River has their own uh, set of too. community yeah. health centers. And so they have several uh, uh, FQHCs throughout Nassau and uh, Suffolk County, but they also have other subrecipients very similar to Lish, so we happen to be one. We're a niche sort of uh, subrecipient. I'd say we have a special niche yeah. because of our legacy organizations, and so our niche is that we know how to provide integrated health care for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. That's something that's really uh, important uh, to how our organization was developed and to the core of many of the services. Now, that's not to say, as an FQHC, or I'm going to say now Community Health Center, we service the entire community. And as you talk more, I'll, right. I'll be able to explain that. No, no, I'd like to hear that. But as much as you're part of, you're not really part of UCP and FREE, and you're an independent agency, yes, right? right. We but are you have the own. services that you could use because you have, their CEOs on the board. Well, certainly. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, because as an FQHC or community health center that's in part, we receive a grant from HRSA, the federal government. And receiving that grant, you also have some responsibilities and some expectations. One is that, and it makes us unique. Our board consists of 51% users. So that means people who actually come and utilize our services, they are on our board. And while we may have some of Wait, the... Wait, explain mm -hmm. that. So that means somebody who's coming to your offices and your and using the services is on the board? That's right. Nice. Yeah, and that makes it unique because then they are able to have input on the governance and policies that our organization carries out and caring for them and their uh, and other persons in the community. That's one of our requirements. Another one is that we must accept all comers. So we certainly accept insurance, but if you don't have health insurance, we accept you as well. We utilize a sliding fee scale, but at the end of the day, we do not turn anyone away. 
What do you mean by a sliding fee? So depending on what they can afford? That's right. So we would ask for your household size and your income with proof of that income. And based on where you would fall, you may fall to just paying, if there's a $100 bill, $10. If you can't do that $10, we say, well, can you do anything? You say $1. Okay. At the end of the day, if you still owe, we are one who does not turn you away. You can still continue to provide and, and receive your services from us, which is really special. You hear people say, I can't afford dental care. I can't afford to see a Well, therapist. dental care is an area that you're going to be really yeah. moving on right now. That's right. So they can come to Long Island Select Healthcare, LISH, and receive services, even if they do not have insurance. And we take even those who are undocumented. So when you when they go to your offices and you have different physicians there or doctors that are for allergies, I saw doctors for uh, medical and doctors for psychology too and psychiatry. Yes. So, but they are not the same doctors. It looks like you have a lot of people that are on your list that you know, come in and volunteer or whatever they do to come in. Maybe not volunteer. <laughs> no. No. Be paid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we have a really, we have a rich staff, let's say that, in that we have primary care providers. Right. Uh, that's uh, uh, doctors, MDs, some DO. We have nurse practitioners who have specialized in providing primary care services we have dentists. We actually have seven dentists now. Why are you making such a big move into dentistry right now? Yes, because it's needed. Okay. And if it's you good think, answer. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> uh, the dental, oral health care is like the entry into your whole body. And so having a healthy mouth, having good oral health care, it is like the beginning of having a healthy body. You don't want an abscess. You don't want any infection in your mouth. You think about how close it is to your brain. We don't want that. So our goal is to make sure everyone has a healthy mouth so that we can eat, chew, we look good with teeth. That's our goal. Nice. Well, you said in the last year that uh, it's been going down. It hasn't been, you know, it was kind of like an absentee CEO because there wasn't anybody running the show. Now, I would say Before you I knew, got there. right? So I got here in January. We did have a little bit of turnover, if yeah. you will, in late 2022 uh, for leaders who had been with Lish a while and are choosing to make other career moves. So we have been fortunate to bring in some new blood, if you will. I like that. That's a way to I like describe it. That's what we talked about. You yes, know. yes. New but CEOs. That's right. So we were. We have a new CEO. We have a new chief uh, uh, finance officer. Yeah, uh, we've had a new chief officer. medical officer and a chief operating, so all the chiefs, uh, if you will. Uh, and we also have a long-term staff, management staff. So while we may be turning... Which is typical chiefs, in, the, in the nonprofits. Uh, yes, I think you're right on that. When I look at some others, that middle most level stays in place right. for the most part. They're there 20 years, 30 mm -hmm. years. Really? I, right. I never kept a job more than five years. Uh -oh. I'd go to the next place. <laughs> <laughs> but the beauty is that as we go into, as I've been there for the last year, we've been able to coalesce with all of our team because we are one lish. That's what we call ourselves. 
There you go. But you have a a problem because nobody knows you. Yeah. You know, I hear that, that people don't know about Lish. We're a well-kept secret, and we shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, and you won't be. Okay. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, it, it seems like with a lot of the CEOs in the past, they didn't think of marketing, and they didn't think of branding. <laughs> they just thought of, you know, the people that were coming there. Mm-hmm. And there was a time that they didn't have to, and you and I talked about that when the federal government was giving them a lot of money. Then it turned to they have to do fundraisers to get the money in, and they put on fundraising teams and started doing the golf outings, more galas and more events to try to raise money, and Giving Tuesdays coming up, and we're all a part of that. That's right. It sure is coming up, yeah. So we are uh, an organization as a community health center. Our, uh, another benefit is that when we see persons who have Medicare, Medicaid, we get an enhanced reimbursement. And that allows us to do this work for people who do not have health insurance or have an ability to pay. We also participate uh, in what we call the 340B pharmacy discount program. And that means anyone who comes and sees a provider at our clinic gets a script written. They can get their prescription at one of our contract pharmacies at a wholesale rate. Really? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Much less than any other place if you uh, did not have that script from Lish, a Lish provider. So that's a huge benefit. And then, of course, uh, helps to support our work that we do. We are doing enabling services. We have care management to help folks navigate the complex healthcare system, uh, make sure they are able to get their referrals for specialists. Those are a lot of the supports that we provide for people. Well, if um, you're a community and you're supposed to be working with the community, how come in the past, sorry to ask this question, but <laughs> it's how come they didn't realize that and get the community in? Well, I'd like to say Our history and our legacy was to serve, and still is, uh, we serve persons with intellectual developmental disabilities. So That's we number had, one. That was, that was our main, and, and still is our main population. And I would say working with the organizations that provide uh, care for those persons, utilizing LISH was a natural because that's our specialty. However, we are a community health center and we do have a lot to offer the communities that we have clinics in. So what's also important is that we fulfill our mission of providing services to all. So if you uh, have a clinic that you're opening up in Smithtown and another one in Manorville, is their community gonna be part of this also? No. So it's just that you'll be able to use those, So those locations are going to be in uh, some of the day programs, say, for example, at okay, IGHL, yeah. and one is in DDI. So they will be part of those day programs. We will be renovating our clinic in Riverhead. Oh, okay. Yes, and that's off of Main Street in Riverhead. Uh, we are going to, uh, we have a clinic in Central Islip. 
and it's on uh, Carlton. That's Avenue, a huge place. And it's a very large, beautiful clinic. It happens to be across from the entrance that you would go into uh, Target. That's one of the landmarks or Home Depot. But it is a full-service clinic with primary care, dental, psychiatry, psychology, and therapy. You have, and your name is on the street, practically. It is. And they still don't know you. Right. And even though it says Long Island Select Healthcare, and then underneath it says Lish, they still don't know what it is. So that's our challenge, is to get out into our community and begin to let folks know we're there, which is in part why I'm so happy to be on this talk show. I am too. I'm glad you're here. And you know, five to 10 years ago, that Carlton Avenue did not look the same. Is that right? I can imagine because it's grown up so much. You could see it now. Once the the ducks came in there and they opened the stadium, that's when. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another area you should partner with. Absolutely. If you haven't already, I don't know if they have Mm -hmm. or not. But there are a lot of wonderful community organizations in Central Islip, as well as school districts that we are so eager to partner with. And we've been trying to make our inroads with the school districts. So your um, board of directors, I mean, they're the ones who really started this, right? That's right. So. When they started this, was this to help them and send their people there too, to get medical assistance? I believe the key persons uh, from those three legacy agencies that uh, had that brilliant idea to start LISH saw the value of having providers who understood the special needs from a healthcare perspective of persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So not every provider is comfortable uh, providing integrated care, understanding how to communicate. So instead of not being able to have a financially sustainable medical service within each of those three agencies, they lopped off the medical and were able to find this vehicle of a FQHC, which would allow sustainability for that care. And that care that they know uh, was sufficient quality-wise to care for that wonderful special population that we have. Now, explain the FQHC again okay. a little bit more. So not every county has that, or some of them have one, some of them have two. That's right. And what distinguishes them? So what distinguishes a FQHC or otherwise called also a community health center is that we in part get a grant. So we get a grant from the federal government and too much is given or some is given, much is required. <laughs> yeah. But the benefit for the community is just that. Much is required. And so we are required, as I indicated to provide service regardless of one's ability to pay. We must do primary care, dental, 
behavioral health services, and enabling services, facilitate transportation, ensure people have access to food, uh, so we reduce food insecurity. We do screenings when one comes to our site to identify where there may be some other social economic need. And then we have care coordinators and we have community health workers that will help our patients with some of those areas of concern. And what about Sun River with this? Well, Sun River has as a FQHC as well. So they do that for their uh, various clinics. Sun River related to Lish's operations are completely separate. Right. Yes. Yeah, so... They are different. Well, but as an FQHC, what I am describing around the requirements is a requirement for any FQHC. Another benefit is uh, with how I explained our um, enhanced reimbursements, uh, we have to make sure translation is available. So we have a good cadre of persons who speak different languages Spanish is one of the major ones. We have staff who speak Spanish. We make sure our signage is in Spanish, our paperwork. I think that's great. Audrey, I need to get your contact information. How could somebody get to you? Okay. So our phone number, I'll say it slow, 631-650-2510. And what is your website? It is Lish care.org well thank you so much you are a great guest okay and i'm happy you were on with me oh, audrey my. smith new ceo at lish thank you so much ron for you having me the nonprofit voice is a premier radio program featuring nonprofits on long island every saturday morning we have learned about been inspired by and celebrated hundreds of nonprofits in our community the nonprofit voice is produced by marketing works the only full-service marketing and public relations firm that works almost exclusively with nonprofit agencies we pride ourselves on our reputation in creating strategic marketing and public relations campaigns successful virtual hybrid and live events as well as powerful social media and digital campaigns as the leaders in nonprofit marketing, no other agency understands the industry as we do, and we are committed to the success of each and every one of our clients. Marketing Works hopes you enjoy this week's featured nonprofit. Good morning, this is Ron Gold from Marketing Works. Our featured nonprofit is the Inn, and what better person to have on the radio with me than Dana Lopez? Uh, you're too kind, Ron. <laughs> well, how many? You've been on more than anybody else, I think. No, I mean, but this is the yeah, perfect so time of the year to have you on, right before Thanksgiving, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes. So I appreciate you having me again, <laughs> <laughs> again and again. But that's fine. Yes. And I think we've had Gene Kelly on too, right? And yes, and uh, one of our board members, um, Vince Vidiello, was on with you. That's uh, right. COVID. So, yeah, we've got, we have great representation. That's good. And at <laughs> this time of the year, I mean, so what's going on? Are you getting busy? <laughs> oh, to say the least, right? Well, the holidays are always a busy time, regardless of whether or not you work for a, a nonprofit organization. But specifically for us, you know, we're gearing up. Thanksgiving is next week. We are 
Um, you know, ever, now that we are officially post-COVID, and we spoke pre-COVID, we spoke during COVID, and now we're speaking post-COVID. Um, now that we're officially post-COVID, we are back to similar operation that we had pre-COVID, which was to have our um, our hot meal in the soup kitchen where individuals and families can come inside and sit down and have a Thanksgiving Day meal that our um, volunteers have prepped and are serving. And we had this year, we've had an incredible donation from an organization called Carol's Kitchen, a gentleman, a private chef named Ryan Carroll, who has who is um, committed to donating 15,000 Thanksgiving meals to the, I'm sorry, he's donated, he's committed to donated 15,000 15, meals to a bunch of organizations. The inn will receive 2,000 of those 15,000 meals. And we're so grateful because that's still a good number. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's an amazing number. I think the number of 15,000 meals in general is incredible. So, um, so we have that. We're having a sit down hot meal the day of Thanksgiving, but leading up to Thanksgiving, we've been giving out our donated turkeys and our side dish fixin' bags to all of the guests that we serve. Um, I don't, I won't have numbers till afterwards, but we're giving out multiple days of um, turkeys that have been donated by organizations and individuals and families and groups and just everybody's so, so, so generous and we're so grateful. So um, the guests will have an option this year, which is actually kind of new. In addition to the hot meal and the distribution that we do, the day of Thanksgiving, they'll also be able to take to take a to go a hot to go meal on Thanksgiving. So they wow. don't necessarily have to sit down and have the hot meal. They can take it to wherever they're going, which is what we've learned over the years and through COVID is that that's an option that a lot of the guests want. They don't necessarily always want to or have the um, time or or the desire to sit down in our soup kitchen, but now they can bring a uh, takeout meal to go. And it's just, you know, we have a, very, a special designated area for it now, and it's, it's just great. So we have lots of options for the guests that come in. Are you seeing new people at that time? <sighs> oh, my goodness. Um, yes. Unfortunately, there has been an, a really large increase in a higher demand for meals, for everything, but mainly for meals, since that's what we're kind of talking about right now. Um, and I have numbers that are just, they're just mind-blowing. So between, I'm going to read these numbers off because, and I'll just tell you what they mean. So between 2019 to now, 2023, we've had a 346% increase in the number of meals requested, meaning that last year in 2022, calendar year 2022, we served a little over 200,000 meals. This year, in just one year's time, we're projected to serve over 340,000 meals. Well, didn't we think it would be going down instead of going up? Well, we did. But what happened was I think that between food costs, the, the, the cost of food is just rising. It's That's going up. True. And also there were benefits that were in place during COVID that people are now starting to lose. There were SNAP benefits and other benefits that people were receiving that they're no longer they're either no longer eligible for or they're no longer in place because we're post-COVID. So while there's a benefit, there's also a detriment. It's really difficult. But at the end of the day, what we're seeing is more people requesting more meals. And they're coming in not only for themselves, but they're coming in to take to-go meals for guests that can't, are like immobile and they can't come into the soup kitchen or they're, um, or they just, you know, or they're not there they're at work or whatever it is. They're, or they're not comfortable you know, eating there and going there, right? So there are fewer people 
taking more meals for the people in their families and the people that may not be able to be there in person. So it's good that we have it, um, and it's just really wonderful for the community to respond in such a great way, as they always do. I mean, that we've always had is um, supporters that were, have been so, so generous. So it's just great. Well, you talk about the chef who donated 15,000 meals in the community and 2,000 to you. Um, yeah. How can other people donate to you? Well, I think that right now we're really, really focused, sort of hyper-focused at this point on food. So if you've ever wanted to help a soup kitchen, now would be a wonderful time to do it. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do that. And we make it pretty easy or as easy as we can. Um, and I'll, you know, of course, talk about our website and how people can get on and get involved. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they can host a food drive. So this is anybody. Children, you know, ages 5 to 105 can host a food drive in your community, or the kids can do it in school, or you can do it in your house of worship or your community center or through with your family, you know, and just um, hold a food drive where we'll accept non-perishable foods, so cans, boxes, packaged, prepackaged foods um, that are not expired and cans that are not dented and boxes that are not sort of like smushed in and stuff like that, just good stuff that they can put together and collect and drop off. So that's one way is to host a food drive. And we actually just um, created a uh, food drive page on our website with all the instructions and everything you need to be able to do that. You're the we best. Have- you did that. <laughs> Well, we want to make it easy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Has to really think too much, but they, but they, we know that they want to do it. Um, we also have online food drives. We work with this really incredible organization called You Give Goods that sets up these online food drives for us, where you go online, you order a list that we have predetermined that we need exactly just the things that we need, and then once you hit submit, you put everything in your cart, you hit buy or buy now, and it gets delivered directly to us. You don't even have to get up off the couch. So that's another way, online food drives. Um, we are always, of course, looking for volunteers in the soup kitchen. Um, they do have to be at least 16 years old to volunteer during the day when we're serving a meal. But we take volunteers as, as um, young as 10 years old who come in after school for a little while. We also have uh, the youth advisory board that I run that, um, that younger kids, middle school and high school students can come in and help out. And we ask them to make collections and things like that. So... Any way that uh, you can get food to us. Oh, and then, of course, making a monetary donation so that we can purchase food. That's always, always helpful. So if you really can't get here or you really can't get out to the supermarket and buy stuff or whatever, making a monetary donation is always appreciated in any amount. We're not, you know, we're not asking for a specific amount because little efforts make for big results. So we're just grateful for whatever we get. So you're talking about Thanksgiving. Is Christmas different not really. So it's really just the same effort. We do. We are going to have a sit-down hot meal on Christmas Day that our volunteers are going to prep. We'll have the takeout option for the guests to take out a take a, um, a hot meal to go, and we will also be giving out and distributing um, more food, side dishes, and things like that um, leading up to Christmas and uh, as well. Well, that's great. Well, let me ask you a question, because the last time I saw you, um, you were at a Power Women for Long Island Business News, and you were the featured guest, or the featured nonprofit. Well, the inn. The inn was the... (laughs) I was not the featured guest. (laughs) There were some really important and incredible people in that room. Um, I was representing the inn as the charity 
uh, of the beneficiary of their silent auction. And wow, what an I mean, you were there. What and of course Melissa was one of the fifty right yeah. women. Um, and they and she was in she was good company and was in such incredible company. Carol Silva was from News Twelve was the the keynote speaker whom I am just you know in awe of every time I see her. Um, <laughs> and we were there because the the um, the I think all the donations that they that they collected from their silent auction were were are, are going to be donated to us. They're still sort of like getting it together and sending us what what it is. So we were the, their charity of choice, and it was so. Humbling, and I was so honored to be in that room that night because it was just, it was like full of energy and full of powerful, inspirational women. So, and they were all, they all already got it. They all are people that already support their communities. And it was just nice to, to you know, bend their ear for a couple of minutes to say, hey, you know, the inn is some, uh, the place that you can give to as well if you so choose. Well, I look at this event as their iconic event of the, you know, this is their signature. They've done this top 50 for top 50 women for so long, and it just keeps getting better. This was the best I've ever seen Jenna. I mean, she was really on target that. Yeah, she was amazing. Really, it was so. I, it was my first time at that event, and I was really really. I thought you won it once. Yeah. Next year, I'm putting you up. No. I'm nominating you. You deserve it. Oh, that's, <laughs> see, you're too kind, Ron. <laughs> there you go. But well, yeah, we take care of our friends, time. right? <laughs> Always. Yeah, I was happy to be there. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the inn now, since because what I remember before COVID, your uh, board president was on, and he was talking about. All these great things that you would be doing, these buildings that you would be buying. So what's changed? Well, we now have what we like to refer to as the Inns Campus on Madison Avenue in Hempstead, which includes our original building, 100 Madison Avenue, which um, has been the home of the Mary Brennan Inn Soup Kitchen for the last 25 years, I believe. Um uh, if you're looking directly at the building to the left of it is our Center for Transformative Change, which is our resource center, um, and that's where the guests go when they are sort of a step above basic needs, like the food that we serve, the, the meals that we serve, and they need something a little bit more. Maybe it's housing, maybe it's identification, social services, um, uh, to obtain identification, oh, I said identification, um, learning uh, learning English as a second language, basic computer skills, things like that. And then to the right of the building is our newest building, which is now our warehouse and free clothing and housewares boutique. Um, we always had a free clothing and housewares boutique. It sort of bounced around our two buildings over the years. I remember now seeing it. House. You gave me a tour <laughs> once yeah. and you showed me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need to come for a new tour, Ron, because things have changed so much. So now we've got this. I'll wait until after the holidays. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good idea. We have this, um, this a building that's, I think it's double the size of the Mary Brennan Inn. And now we have our clothing boutique in there where the guests that um, come in for clothes and small houseware items, they're able to make an appointment come inside and get sort of like a personal shopping experience with the clothing and, and items that are donated to us by the generous community. And they can get clothing for themselves and their children and their families, but they're sort of, you know, in a, a calm and really wonderful, beautiful space. Um, and the donations that we get are just so 
they're lovely. They're really just things that people don't wear anymore, you know, and they're in good condition and they're clean because that's what we ask for. We don't put anything out that's not acceptable to give out to um, to the guests. And it's a really wonderful way for us to take all those donations and give them directly out to the people that need them the most. And then also housed in that building now is our warehouse where we can sort of spread out. We were we were sort of cramped in our one little building. Right, right. Spread out, and we can distribute food and toiletries and baby items, diapers and wipes and formula, <laughs> all of these things that we get as donations. We can um, sort of spread out, make sure we package them up and get them out the door as soon as possible to the guests that need them desperately. That's amazing. Do you, um, was this your, give me a little bit about the history, because I remember Jean saying to me that this was going to be her 50th anniversary gala or something like that. We have, so 2003 was the 40th anniversary of, or we're still in it, but the 40th anniversary. No, 2023. 2003 was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, 2023 marks the 40th anniversary this year. Yay. 50 years, we still need another 10 years for 50 years. Oh, okay, good. years this year. <laughs> so, um, yes, all year we've been celebrating the opening of the very first soup kitchen in Nassau County, which was later to become the Mary Brennan Inn, but was opened on a storefront on Front Street in Hempstead in 1983 by um gene kelly was one of the original volunteers that was a part of the planning committee that came together and said you know we really have to do something here right here on long island at the time there only existed one i believe one soup kitchen somewhere in suffolk and we um this group came together and opened up the nassau county soup kitchen and that stayed in the last 40 years stayed the mary brennan and it, it moved locations but it was always um its goal was always to serve hungry and homeless Long Islanders with dignity and respect, and they've kept that for all these years. So it was started by who? So there was a chaplain who was a at Hofstra named Michael Moran. Uh-huh. Uh, he had a friend named Pat O'Connor, Patricia O'Connor, who are the original founders of the inn. She was a community member and a philanthropist. She really just liked to give back to her community. She had um, children and uh, wanted to do something good for other people. And they came together. Michael Moran at Hofstra was taking Hofstra students into Brooklyn to serve at a soup kitchen. And one day on the way home, they were stopped at a stoplight heading back to campus, and they saw somebody eating out of a garbage can because they were hungry right around the corner from Hofstra's campus. And they thought, well, you know, going to Brooklyn is nice, but why don't we do something right here in, um, in our, in our own backyard? And they put out an ad in the paper for interest, people who were interested in making a difference in the community. And one of those people, about 30 people responded. One of them was Jean Kelly. And she recruited some volunteers who were also on a list. And one of those people was Rob Kammerer, who's one of our board members and also Gene Kelly's husband. They met during this um, process of, you know, connecting to try to find. She was looking for volunteers. He was interested in volunteering. And a year later, they were married and they've been together. Ever oh, what a great story. Was so, that on The Bachelor? It's, it's no. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that's how it how it all started. And. It sort of morphed from just a soup kitchen it, uh, into shelters where we still have emergency homeless shelters and also long-term housing shelters. And then, you know, the, the, social, the social service 
resource center, the Center for Transformative Change, the the clothing, the food. It just sort of evolved um, as the years went on. And, and how went through lots of different iterations. How long have you been there? This year was my 10-year anniversary. Oh, wow. So I've been there with for 10 years, yeah. And how did you start? By in the same position or... Uh, yeah, I started as, you know, they brought me in as a, a PR person, a marketing person to sort of handle the some of the content on the website and social media and um, just sort of managing some of the very little, you know, traditional PR and media that we do and, you know, newspapers and TV and stuff like that. And then um, my job has sort of evolved itself into more of a digital communications and marketing position where my job is to tell the story of the inn in any way that I can on multiple platforms. And it's really, um, and, you know, that could be anything from posting on social media for me to being on your show or going out to a group to talk about what the inn does to let people know what they can do and everything in between. Well, you do it so well. I mean, there's no doubt. Do you do the social media also? I do. I do the social media, the website content, email marketing, anything that's telling the story, graphic design, anything that's telling the story about the end, I probably had my hands in it. <laughs> also digital fundraising. Well, do you see any expansion? Well, we're in the process of expanding right now because we just um, acquired this, this huge building and we are raising funds in order to renovate the building so that we can expand our services to include more. And this is something we already do, but we need to work uh, to have more of the space and more of the um, relationships to work on mental health services, oh, yeah. uh, workforce development, mm-hmm. you know, helping people get jobs, things like that. So, yeah, there's lots of, so then lots the, of expansion in the work. Yeah, so you're going outside of your uh, food to get into the mental health angle and everything else. Well, we've already we're already doing that on some level. We do work with um, Central Nassau Guidance, and uh, we work with that organization on some mental health services. We do also do some physical, you know, medical services. We work with lots of different organizations, but now we have the space to sort of make it a have a home for it, you know. So we're working on some um, renovations and and fundraising in order to make that building something so that it's a real one-stop shop. Like if somebody needed to come in, they can get any services that they needed without without having to go anywhere else for the most part. Is there a capital plan for that? We are working on it. Yeah, we're working on, um, you know, raising some serious funds to do this. So. Well, you could have steps. Uh, you could have uh, a lot of things in the building that you could sell. There's a lot of ways to make money in that. But and I know you're thinking all all the time about that. So Dana Lopez, tell me how people can get a hold of you. What's your phone number? Not your not the cell. I don't even <laughs> give that up. Your, your phone number at the for the inn and the website. The phone number at the inn is five one six four eight six eight five zero six, and the website is www.thehe-inn.org. Dana Lopez, I'm honored to be your friend, and thank you for being on with us. Likewise. Thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate you helping me get the word out. This is Ron at MarketingWorksPR.com, the nonprofit voice.